You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. Well, good evening again, Thorn Creek Church. Hey, if you are visiting with us today, uh, I want you to know my name is Nick McCall. I am not Reuben. Uh, Pastor Reuben is out of town this weekend, so he asked me to preach. So guess what? You're all stuck with me. Ha. <laughs> just kidding. Um, we love Pastor Reuben very, very much. Would you all just pray for me? I'm the youth pastor. I joke. I'm sorry. Would you all lift up your hand and just pray for me before I, before I preach the sermon this evening? Thank you so much. Jesus, have your way in us, God. Would you speak to our hearts, Jesus? Would you move in a powerful way in this room, God? God, we surrender our hearts to you, and we just ask, would you speak powerfully to us? God, I ask, would you push me aside, Lord, and allow your message and your words to be heard and not mine? God, have your way in this room. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to be with all of you today. I'm really loving this series. Uh, it's not all about me. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk about uh, the life of Moses a little bit. Um, and Moses was this guy who had all these excuses, right? Every time God asked him to do something, he always had these reasons of like why he can't, right? He always had these reasons of like, yeah, but God, have you thought about the fact that whatever? Or God, have, did, did you realize that I, whatever? And we're going to talk about these things tonight, but, but God kept asking Moses to do these things for him, and Moses always had an excuse. You know anybody like that? Are you like that? Are we good at coming up with excuses? See, Moses was really good at coming up with every possible excuse of why he couldn't do something that God was calling him to do. Have you ever felt like God was asking you to do something or calling you to do something that maybe you felt uncomfortable doing? You didn't feel like that was something you could do? Maybe for you it was talking to a friend or family member or a coworker about Jesus. Maybe it's simply inviting them to church and that, you know, you know, when that conversation opportunity happens and your heart starts really beating fast and you get really nervous and, and you feel like you're supposed to talk to them, but maybe you, you talk yourself out of it, make excuses, or, or maybe it's forgiving someone who hurt you, right? Maybe you're holding on to something because someone hurt you and you know God is calling you to forgive that person, but you're holding on to it, right? Or, or maybe it's getting rid of an addiction in your life that has a hold on you. And you know you're supposed to get rid of this addiction and give it up to God, but you've got a list of things of why you can't get rid of it. But God, I need this. But God, I'm accustomed to this. But God, if I don't have this, I'll be like this. God, just let me have this one thing. You know what I'm saying? We're really good at coming up with excuses. Or, or maybe it's confessing to someone you love about something that you've done, but you're keeping it in. And, and God is speaking to you, and he's saying, you need to give this to me. You need to surrender this to me. You need to, you need to do this. Yeah, but God, I, I can't. God, you don't understand. God's like, I don't understand. I know you. I created you, right? I did a little research on some common excuses that people make. These cracked me up. Um, some of them are, one of them was, was, I just don't have enough time. I hear that excuse a lot, right? I don't have the time. My schedule's full. Uh, I'm afraid I'll fail. Uh, I, I just need more balance in my life, right? Uh, it's just not the right time right now. Maybe later. It's not you. It's me, right? Uh, that's not my job. Someone else will do it, right? I can't afford it. Or I don't think I'd be very good at that. Find somebody else, right? These are some excuses that I found. My dog ate my homework actually came up on this website that I found, which I thought was funny, um, 
And the list goes on, right? We make excuses because they make us feel better about the decision that we've made. They make, we convince ourselves, I made the right decision when we say no to things. But see, if we convince ourselves we have good enough reason to say no, we might sleep better at night and we may feel a little bit better about ourselves. But here's the truth about excuses, okay? Excuses are lies we tell ourselves so that it doesn't have to be our fault. I'm good. I, I had the excuse. It's off my hands now. I don't need to feel guilty because I had a good enough reason, right? I want to tell you guys about a story. Uh, a few of you in this room probably went on this trip, but years ago, we went to Joplin, Missouri. You can go to this slide, Blaine. Went to Joplin, Missouri on a mission trip because there was this massive tornado that went through this area, and we were exhausted. We were working out in the heat and the humidity. Anybody just love working in heat and humidity? Like, what? Oh, I was going to say, no, no, nobody loves working in heat and humidity. So we're exhausted at the end of the day, right? Completely and totally exhausted. We've been working all day long. At this point, I think it was day two or day three of just working outside in the heat, and we're exhausted. Um, it's kind of a sweet fatigue because you, you love to help people. But at the same time, man, working in the heat, it just drains you, right? So we're at the end of the day. I remember looking around, and myself and a bunch of us are literally laying down in the shade on the pavement or in the grass because we're just ready to be done. It's towards the end of the day, and we look over and we see Pastor Ruben is speaking to the kind of the person who's their kind of coordinating groups because a lot of groups came and we all met at this one hub, this church, and they kind of dispersed group out to different projects. So Ruben's talking to this coordinator and we're all laying on the ground tired. And, and I love the way Ruben tells the story because he says he looked at our group and we're all like laying, like drinking water, ready to just go, go back to the room and, and kind of chill for the evening. And he looks at our group, and it's this guy who lives alone, an old, old man who is kind of disabled and lives alone, and, and Reuben said, we'll go, we'll go. So Pastor Reuben comes over, and he tells our group, and we're like, oh, nobody has a good attitude, right? We're just like so ready to be done, but, but we say yes, and we go. And this guy's name was Mr. Funk, literally, that's his name. This isn't a picture of Mr. Funk's place. I went on Reuben's Facebook to try and find a picture because I know there's a picture of Reuben praying with this man, but this is kind of what it looked like everywhere we went. So we show up to this guy's house, and he's a hoarder. He's got all kinds of stuff. So we're, we're literally hauling like jars of mayonnaise and trash and, and boxes and all kinds of stuff out of this man's house. And a lot of us are just tired. We don't want to be there. We don't have the best attitude. Finally, we get to the end of this thing, and Pastor Reuben we always prayed with people when we were done helping them. And, and I remember watching Pastor Ruben. We all huddled around Mr. Funk. And Pastor Ruben told him, you know, you can't take this stuff to heaven with you. And the guy goes, I know. And, and Pastor Ruben asked him, well, do you believe in Jesus? And he said, yeah. Ruben said, are you a Christian? And he said, well, no. Ruben said, do you want to be? And he said, yeah. And so Reuben prays for this man and, and leads him to Jesus right there in front of all of us. And we really could have made an excuse and said, no, we're not going to go. We're too tired. But I firmly believe that, that God used us, that God used Pastor Reuben in our group. And, and this man accepted Jesus that day. Isn't that awesome? See, we, we're good at making excuses. It's always easier to stay home, right? It's always easier to stay home. But you never know what God may want to do through you. And we see this over and over again in Scripture. Time and time again, God uses people who are unqualified. Have you ever felt unqualified? God uses people who are unqualified to do really big things. 
I think it's part of our human nature to come up with reasons of why we can't do things. But God says, no, I know you can. I see it in you. I made you, right? And so tonight we're going to be in the book of Moses, and, and, or book of Exodus, sorry. And as we read through the book of Exodus, one of the things I notice is how God was able to use this lowly shepherd, this, this, this man to do really, really big things. See, the book of Exodus means exit, okay? Exodus literally means exit or departure. And so as we dive into this book together, uh, we're going to read a little bit about Moses. Let's go to Exodus chapter 3, starting at verse 10. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, up out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, and I love how Moses says this, Moses says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. See, sometimes, guys, I think we have a tendency to just read over Scripture and not really realize what we're just reading. God is speaking to Moses on a mountain through a burning bush at this point, and he tells him to take off his shoes because he's standing on holy ground. And so Moses is standing there, and there's God is speaking to him through this burning bush, and God is asking him to go back to Egypt. Keep in mind, guys, this is where he came from, right? If you know the story of Moses, you know that he should have been killed as a baby because all Hebrew male babies were drowned in the Nile River due to, due to Pharaoh's command. So he should have died as a baby, but his mom hid him. She, she kept him safe, and, and after about three months, she puts him in a basket and puts him in a river. And he floats, and guess who finds him? Pharaoh's daughter, the man who made the, the law to kill all the Hebrew babies. Pharaoh's daughter goes to the river, and she finds this baby, and she she takes him and she names him Moses, right? And then later as he's older, he, he, kills a, he kills an Egyptian soldier and he flees to a place called Midian out of fear. So now he's, he's, been, he's been in Midian, he, he's been a shepherd for 40 years and God says, Moses, I want you to go back. Moses is like, I can't go back there, God. Who am I? I, I don't you know what will happen to me if I go back there? He's got all these reasons, Right? So God is calling him to go back to the very place that he ran away from. And Moses' response to God conveys his, his unworthiness, his inadequacy, and his fear. He, he's, he's terrified. And In other words, Moses is saying, when he says, who am I? In other words, he's saying, I am nothing. I am nothing. That's how he sees himself. He's done some stuff in his life, right? He, he killed a person. He doesn't feel good about himself. So he sees himself and he says, God, I am nothing. And you know what I love? Is we're all nothing without Jesus, right? Without God, that's how we all are. But God makes us something. You know what I'm saying? God makes us something. See, I think you and I, we do this all the time. We find ourselves doubting God's provision in our lives. We find ourselves wondering if God could really use me to do anything extraordinary. I'm just a person who grew up in whatever circumstance and whatever place, and I, I do whatever job, and I feel really mundane. I feel very average. I feel very unqualified, right? Even now as you're sitting here today, God could be calling you to do something big. Maybe it's been happening for, for the past couple of weeks or couple of months. Maybe God's been pushing you and prompting you to do something big, but you keep telling God, I'm just average. God, I can't, I can't possibly do that. And you have reasons, but see, here's what I love about God. God often calls the unqualified to accomplish really big things. 
Guys, as I, I'm serious, as I spend time in, in God's word here, God doesn't always pick people who you'd be like, yep, that makes sense that that's what they're doing. Look at Peter, right? Look at Paul. Look at, look at these people in scripture who, who are seemingly nothing. And God says, I want to use you. I believe you have potential. God calls the unqualified to do really big things. So I have good news for you. If you're here tonight and you feel unqualified, buckle up. God may be about to do something really big through you, but be faithful and follow and do what God calls you to do. Let's keep reading. Exodus chapter 3, verse 12. says this, And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Okay, that's significant. There's two things there that I want, to, that I want us to touch on. Number one, God says, I will be with you. Okay? In other words, Moses is not going to be alone. God's with him. God's carrying him through it. See, God communicates to Moses that he's willing and he's committed to go before him and use him. But you've got to understand Moses' hesitation here a little bit. This is a big deal. Okay? This is a big task that God has asked him to do. I want you to go to this country and free all these slaves. By the way, you're a wanted fugitive, but I'm with you. <laughs> but I will be with you. But God, that's scary. I know. I'll be with you. Right? And then number two, you will worship God on this mountain. The place where they're at is called the, the Mount of Horeb. Okay? Or in other words, the, the Mount of God. And God is saying, guess what? This very mountain... Right here where I'm speaking to you, through this burning bush, you will worship me here. So God is reassuring him, Moses, you're going to be okay. It's going to work out, and you're going to know this because I'm going to bring you to this very spot, and you will worship me on this mountain. So Moses thinks about it a little bit, and then he responds to God again in verse 13. He says, Moses said to God, okay, God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Oh, there's a lot of meaning there. What is his name? I want to talk about that in a second. This gets really good here. Stick with me. Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, what did God say to Moses? What did God say to Moses? Yeah. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. Who? I am has sent me to you. Guys, as we read this story, like, Moses' thoughts are going, right? He's, he's thinking of every possible question. He's like, okay, God, well, what if I get there and I speak to them? What should I tell them your name is? And God says simply, I am who I am. In other words, Yahweh. The term Yahweh, the name Yahweh, means he causes to be. I love that. The name of God, Yahweh, he causes to be. And guys, as, as we were meeting with the worship and production team here earlier today, we were talking and we did this devotion, and, and we were reminded together that the God we just sang to just now in this place, and, and the worship team did a beautiful job of leading us in worship, and we all sang together, we're singing to, to I am, to, to Yahweh, to this very God right here that, guys, we're reading about him. And we just worshiped him together. And we're worshiping him together right now. Isn't that awesome? Doesn't that blow your socks off? It should blow our mind that we can even sing to him, right? 
that we can even talk to him, that we have breath in our lungs. The same God who spoke to Moses through the burning bush is speaking to you tonight, right now in this very place. He's speaking to you. He's calling you. Are you making excuses? Do you have reasons why you can't do things that God may be calling you to do? So I love it when, I love when I read about that I am and I think about Yahweh. He causes to be. Everything he causes to be. And what's significant is, in fact, later on, if, as you look into the New Testament, Jesus calls himself, I am. In John 8, 58, check this out. It says this, Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, what? I am. I am. See, this name I am is significant because it shows the majesty and the power of God who literally created everything into existence. By the way, creation is amazing, isn't it? Our bodies are amazing. What, what, what creation is able to do, it's, it's amazing. This God who created everything, I am. Let's keep reading. Exodus 4. Moses answered. So this conversation continues between Moses and God. Moses answered, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. So again, Moses has another question for God, right? Well, okay, God, well, let's say I tell them I am who, who I am. Let's say I tell them I am sent me, and, and, and what if they still don't listen to me? What if they still don't believe me? Can you tell Moses is insecure? Yeah, he's insecure. And he asks, and the Lord asks him a question, and this question is so powerful. It's, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. I want to talk about this staff. There's, there's so much behind that question. What's in your hand? See, Moses is terrified by the task God has given him, and he's questioning everything. He's insecure. And he answers God by saying, I have this staff in my hand. See, this staff, I wish I had one right now. Maybe I should have one tomorrow. But this staff in his hand re represents who Moses has been for the past 40 years. He ran away to a place called Midian, right? And he became a shepherd. And he found comfort in the staff. It became his identity. It became who he was. He took it with him everywhere. It was part of him. It was, it was a token to, to show he was a shepherd. So he always had this, it was like a security blanket for him. He had this staff in his hand. And God says, Moses, notice right after Moses asked the question, God, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? And God says, Moses, what's in your hand? Do you think God knows Moses pretty well? Yeah. So he asks them, well, what's in your hand? And he says, well, this staff is in my hand. So, so God sees Moses' fear and reminds him. And, and as you read on, God continues to use that staff as a tool. God continues to use the very thing that Moses found comfort in, the thing that he ran away to. And God says, I'm going to use that. We're going to read here about some pretty creepy stuff God does with that staff. Check this out. Verse 3, the Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. Gross. And he ran from it. <laughs> then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. No way. So Moses reached out his hand and he took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is what? is so that they may believe. 
This said the Lord is so that they may believe that the that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Okay, um, I don't like snakes, so I don't like this part of the story. I imagine it wasn't like a little gardener snake. Rachel and I, we have this little gardener snake that lives in our, in our front yard, in our backyard. We see it sometimes. Anyway, uh, I hate it. Uh, but but I, I imagine that this snake was not like a little gardener snake. In my mind, it's like a big, what are those snakes with the big head? Is it a python? Is that what that is? Where it's like you can whisper to it and it, cobra, that's it, a cobra. I imagine this is like a massive cobra, right? And it's looking at him and it's sticking its tongue out and it's hissing and God says, hey, grab it by the tail. I'd be like, are you crazy? But, but it shows that Moses had complete trust in God, right? Although he was scared, although he had excuses, he grabs a snake by the tail. I want to talk about this. There's a quote here. Um, it says, The sign of the rod and snake is significant in ancient Egyptian context. The rod represents kingly power and authority. The snake on Pharaoh's headdress represents divinely protected sovereignty and serves as a menacing symbol of death dealt to enemies of the crown. So just like God knows Moses, God knows Pharaoh too. And God knows the Egyptian context and what the snake meant and what the staff meant and why this was so important. See, you've you got to keep in mind, Moses is thinking about how he's going to convince these people that, that God really is going to do what God says he's going to do and that Moses isn't just making a bunch of stuff up, right? That this is legit. And so God knows that and God says, Moses, I understand the significance of the snake. I understand the significance of the staff. And I'm going to use these things. It's just, again, just affirming for Moses, that God is with him, right? But notice, what did God use? The staff. The staff. The thing that he was holding in his hand. See, God will use the comfortable and the familiar to speak to the heart and encourage you to follow him faithfully. God will use the comfortable and the familiar to speak to the heart and encourage one to follow him faithfully. But, but Moses is continuing to question God. So let's look here. Verse 6. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. <clears throat> so Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Now put it back in your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back in his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. Okay? Um, I don't like this game that God's playing with Moses. That's gross. Like, puts his hand in his cloak. First, it's like this creepy snake that pops up in front of him. And then it's, he's got leprosy all over his hand. But it's all intentional, right? It's all intentional. And I, I love Moses' faithfulness. He's just, he's doing as God is, is calling him to do. See, the leprous hand was intended to produce faith the, in, in Moses for the doubting Israelites. God is prepping Moses, like, I'm going to do these things through you, and they will believe, okay? Then we get to verse 9. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. So the third sign is a little bit different than the first two. Number one, because he didn't, God didn't just perform it just now in front of Moses, right? That this was a faith step. God said, okay, I want you to do step one and step two. 
And if they don't, and he's requiring Moses to have some faith because God didn't just show this, show this happen. He said, I want you to go to the Nile and get some water and pour it on the ground. Guys, the blood is significant. And this is a hard part of the story because it represents the genocide that happened to all those babies, those Hebrew male babies that were drowned in that river. It's all intentional. It's significant. God knows. Don't, God is so intentional and he's working everything out and he sees it. And God knows their hearts and God knows Moses and all the insecurities and his shortcomings and his flaws. And then we get to verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. Again, he's got another excuse, right? God, here's why I can't do this. Have you forgotten about the fact that I don't speak well? God, I have a speech impediment. You know what I think is ironic about this is he seems to be arguing with God just fine, <laughs> right? I think you speak just fine, Moses. Yeah. He, he's clever. He's just scared. Stephen Furtick said this. He said, your greatest limitation is God's greatest what? Yeah. Your greatest limitation is God's greatest opportunity. Where you feel weak, God is strong. Where you feel limited, God is resourceful. Where you feel like you can't, God says, but I can, right? It's God's greatest opportunity to show his strength and his power through us and through our weaknesses and through our failures and through our shortcomings and our insecurities. You understand that nobody, nobody is too far gone. Nobody is beyond God being able to use. Look at Moses. The guy was a basket case, right? Full of all kinds of excuses. Literally, he was a baby in a basket. Thanks for laughing. It's coming now. Okay. There it is. Everyone's like, oh, okay. All right. Um, another quote here says, make peace with your weaknesses knowing that God's love and calling don't depend on your perfection. See, what I love about God is God sees so much opportunity in us, right? And even where we feel like we say, well, God, I'm not very good at that. God, I couldn't possibly serve in that area because I don't, I'm not good with children. God says, it's okay, I can help you. Where we have all these excuses and these reasons, God says, it's perfect because my strength is made perfect in weakness. For my power is made perfect in weakness, right? Verse 11 says, Then the Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. And this next verse is so important. Go to verse 13. But Moses said, what did Moses say? Read it out loud, church. Please send someone else. I picture Moses is like this, and he's like, God, I've given you every excuse I have. God, please send someone else. I, I, I don't think I can do it. God, I'm unqualified. God, I'm weak. God, I can't speak well. What if they don't believe me? What, what do I tell them? Please send someone else. He, he's, he's completely out of excuses. He's broken. He's done. This is his final plea. 
See, when God calls you to do something, you can come up with every excuse in the book, as if God doesn't already know. Like we think we can come up with something new that God's not aware of. God, have you forgotten about the fact that I don't speak well? I don't have much patience. God, have you forgotten about that? God, have you forgotten that I get angry easily? Do you really think that's a good thing for me to do, God? But God wants to use you, not because you're perfectly capable. Let me say that again. God wants to use you not because you're perfectly capable, but because you are unqualified. That God sees you and says, I can, I can do something with that. I, I can use you for that. Let's keep reading. Verse 14. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. God's like fed up right now, right? He's, he's, up, he, he's frustrated. He's upset. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, all right, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you, and he'll be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this what? <laughs> but take this staff in your hand so you can perform signs with it. See, what I love about God is God knew that Moses was capable of so much more than just managing sheep, right? God saw Moses and said, Moses, you're wasting your potential. You're capable of so much more than just managing sheep. You can be so much more than a shepherd. You can free these people. And I wonder, is God looking at you today? Is God looking at me today? And is God saying, you're capable of so much more than you're doing right now? You're giving me this, and I want you to give me this. You're seeing these results, and I want to give you these results. I want to do so much more through you. But God, I'm tired. But God, I can't. But God, I, I have this reason, and I have this going on, and, and what about this? And, and we have all these reasons, and we, we like to settle for here when God says, no, I want to take you here. I want to show you this. There's mountains you haven't even climbed yet. You think you've seen the top? You're not even close. God says, I, I, I can do so much through you if you just be willing. See, the God I know is never satisfied with the life we've built. God loves you are, but, but he refuses to keep you where you are. There's always room for growth. We've never arrived. That GPS is set to eternity. And we just keep going. And we, we're never done. You've never finished. You never graduate in your faith. You never get to a point where you know everything and, and you're done growing, right? We, we all have room to grow. In the same way, don't ever get into a place of complacency and comfort. Because God can uproot your comfort in a second. And he can lead you to a place you never thought you would go. God can lead you to do things you never thought you would do. See, here's, check this out about Moses. Moses spent 40 years thinking he was somebody. 40 years learning he was a nobody. And 40 years discovering what God can do with a nobody. Right? I'm okay being a nobody because I want to see what God can do. That's a scary thing, right? When you say that prayer and say, God, use me, God, I'm willing to go where you send me, that's a scary prayer. So when you say that prayer, be ready. But Moses discovered what God can do with a nobody. So look at yourself. Think about yourself. Where are you at right now? Are you. Number one, thinking you're somebody? Are you 
currently in a process where you're, you're learning that you're a nobody? Or are you now discovering what God can do with a nobody? I think God, God can, can do so much with somebody who is a nobody. It, as you read scripture, right, you see Paul, he talks about how he, he was the worst of sinners. He describes himself as the scum of the earth. God is able to use him and do so much through him. And at the same time, God was able to do so much through Moses because he was willing. Actually, he really wasn't willing, but eventually I think he got to a point where he, he kind of surrendered and said, all right, God, I'm done making excuses. Is that you today? Are, are you just making excuse after excuse? Are you, are you defending certain habits, certain addictions, certain things in your life because you just feel like you need to keep making excuses and defending them? Or are you to a place where you're in surrender and you're saying, God, I, I'm out of excuses. I've got nothing left. I want you to use me. I want you to, to do things through me. What will it take you to get to a place of saying yes to whatever God calls you to do? What will it take for you to go all in, to be fully committed, to dive into what God has for you instead of settling for what's average, for what's mundane? See, God may call you to do something. We see this in Isaiah chapter 6. Verse 8 says this, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, What? Here am I. Send me. Send me, God. Send me. God, I'm right here. Send me. I don't know what that means for you. What is God calling you to do? Yeah, but God, I don't make enough money to do that. Yeah, God, but what about this but what about and then we've got this list what if we just all had the attitude of God I don't want average I'm going to trust in you here I am send me A.W. Tozer said God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible what a pity we only tempt the things we can do on our own Pastor Ruben will tell you that's kind of the one of the heartbeats of this church you can go back to that slide Blaine that's kind of the heartbeat of this church. It's a, it's a quote that God gave Pastor Reuben years and years and years ago. But God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. I don't know about you, but I don't want to only attempt the things I could do on my own because I feel like I'll only experience this kind of a life when God has this kind of a life for me. Instead of coming up with reasons why you can't do something, say yes to the calling that God has put on your life to serve him. There's always going to be a million reasons God, here's why I can't. And they're probably good reasons. They're probably decent reasons. But, but when you look back on your life, don't you want to know that you did everything you possibly could, could have done to help grow the kingdom of God? When you look back on your life, don't you want to say, I gave it all. I was all in. I served the Lord with everything that I had. Or do you want to look back on your life and say, yeah, I did some things, but I was pretty comfortable. And I, miss, I maybe missed out on some things because whatever the reason is. Look for opportunities to say, sign me up, God. Help me. God, I don't know what I'm doing. This terrifies me. But I'm willing to go where you want me to go. I'm willing to do what you want me to do. I surrender to you completely. Have your way in me. So make that your prayer tonight. Have an attitude. Have a mindset of, God, sign me up. The title of tonight's message is, Here's Why I Can't, with a cross out through it. 
versus sign me up. We're really good at the here's why I can't part. I think we may need some help on the sign me up part. So God, help us. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the calling that you put on Moses' life. God, we ask, are, are there things that you're calling us to do that we're just too scared to do? Are, are there things in our life, maybe addictions or, or, or things in our life that have a hold on us that we're, we're unwilling to let go of? God, would you reveal those things to us and would you give us the strength to let them go? God, would you help us to fully surrender to you, to say, here I am, send me, instead of, but God, I can't because of these reasons. God, we want to be your people. We want to grow your kingdom. And we ask, God, would you use us to do really big things? If you're here tonight and you're far from God and it's been a while since you've prayed or heard a word from God, I want to invite you to say this prayer tonight and say, God, I miss you. God, I'm sorry for all the times that I've, I've had excuses, for all the times that I've ran away from what you called me to do, from the times that, that I was more comfortable just staying where I was at. God, I'm sorry for the things that I've done. Would you forgive me? I want to get right with you, God. I want a clean slate. I want to start over back to you, Jesus. Would you welcome me with your open arms? And if you're here tonight and you've, you've never accepted Jesus into your heart and your life before and you feel a calling to do that, I want to invite you to say this prayer. Say, Jesus, tonight I surrender myself, my whole life to you. My whole life up until this point has been all about me and uh, I haven't done the best with it. So God, from now on, I want it to be all about you. You're my Savior. I accept you, Jesus, as my personal Lord and Savior. Have your way in my heart. Change me. Fill me. Mold me into who you want me to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church/give.